Brought to you by Hug House Productions. Please be advised the content of this podcast contains violence, murder, blood, smoking, alcohol, mentions of suicide, and driving sound effects. Please do avoid listening to this in a car. We also swear a whole lot, so there's that. Hey, good morning. Morning. Take a seat. Thanks. Uh, how are you? I'm doing all right, thank you. Yeah? Yeah, I had a good sleep. I'm with a friend. I got my juice right there. If this is a nice, I don't know what it is. Well, uh, should we get into it then? Let's, yeah. State your name and origin for the record, please. Uh, my name is Shinji. I come from a small town in Japan nested against one of its many mountains. And it doesn't have a name? Not if I say it doesn't. All right. And why did you move to London, Shinji? To survive. Right, change of tone. Sorry, didn't realize this was still running. Carry on. I ran from home when I was uh, a couple years ago. I was 19 at the time. And when it happened, I was just in my room waiting for... Uh, you want to describe your room a little? It's it's radio. I was going to. Mm-hmm. Didn't sound like it. If you're going to be like this the entire time, I'm walking out. Okay, sure. I can do your part. You do not have the range. No, but I'll just do a very thick Japanese accent. People will know it's you. It's fine. My room was clean. Thank you. There was no trace of teenage mess. No uh, clothes on the floor, badly stacked books. I, I mean, what was on my shelves was alphabetized, and my drawers were kept locked. It was a room with a secret. And that night, I laid awake in bed, because a minute ago, I'd heard my father's guest saying goodbye. And any moment now, he would come upstairs and he would ask me a question I, I didn't want to answer. I watched the breeze nudge open the shutters to my room, inviting the moonlight inside. And I, I knew I should have run already, fly away before I got caught, but I don't know. I, I wanted to stay in, in that moment, just a, a little longer. There was still a chance, a small, beautiful chance that I wouldn't have to leave, to, to be alone. <laughs> Never turns out that way though, does it? The light turned on behind the bedroom door. I, I closed my eyes and my father walked in. He sat down on the side of my bed and I uh, inhaled deeply, uh, pretending to wake up. He wasn't looking at me, and there was something different in the way he carried himself. It was his slumped shoulders and his faraway gaze. I asked, Father, is everything okay? And he, has, he said, our neighbors came to visit. I fiend some kind of confusion, and I asked, what time is it? He ignored the question, and... Uh, went on saying that the neighbor had told him that his son and I had been spending a lot of time together. And it, it felt like somebody was brushing a cold finger in my stomach, slowly getting to my throat. I asked, did something happen to Kayato? And he said, no, but he's been talking about you. 
I knew something was wrong from the start, but, but that's when my mind started yelling at me, get the fuck out of there. And I'm not sure what set it off. Maybe it was because of how calm my father was. He was perfectly still. Not, um, not still, but controlled. That was it. He said to me, Kyoto says you can see his mother. His mother who had died three months ago. I brought my knees in a little closer, coiling like a spring. And I said, well, but his mother, why would he say that? And he finally looked at me. And casually, like, like reaching to shake my hand, he put a knife under my throat. Don't lie to me, Shinji, he said. And he knew. <laughs> he knew, he already knew, and he had made his decision maybe a long time ago. But now that the neighbors were talking, he had no choice. Still, I tried. I, I asked him, what are you doing? And he, he got angry. Don't lie to me. You think I haven't noticed? You think I didn't know every time you left in the middle of the night? And I tried to protest, saying things like he's lying, he's lying, he's jealous. But his lips curled in disgust. And his grip on the knife tightened. So I hit him. I rolled out of my bed as soon as I saw the expression. And I knew what it meant. I'm pretty sure I co broke a couple of fingers punching him, but I, uh... I didn't even feel it. He, uh, yelped and let go of me. I, I, I rushed for the window. I slammed the shutters out of my way and just jumped from two stories high. But before my feet hit the ground, I slowed my descent, floating briefly. Witchcraft, there was uh, no denying it at this point. When I glanced up, I saw him gazing back at me and I felt like like looking at a stranger. So I started running. I took the path the men of my village only walk at night, through the forest that borders our town. I didn't stop until I reached a clearing, where stood the estranged house of a mountain whore. Her name was Jeanne. She was thin and almost unremarkable until she started moving. Her steps were soft and delicate. Her posture was perfect, and her smile was a, a deadly trap. In a city, she, she would have been a dancer. That night, she was upstairs with a client in a clean, minimalist bedroom. The sex was unexciting, but she kept up a good act. As soon as her client was dressed and out of the house, she dropped her smile, pocketed the money, she took a shower, changed the sheets, and noticed the bracelet on the bedside table. I imagine she frowned and took a closer look as she realized her client must have left it behind. So when she heard a knock on the door, she opened it with a bracelet in hand. You forgot your bracelet. And then she stopped. She looked at me and I was, I was trying my best to hold myself upright, but I, I don't think I fooled her one bit. I was, uh, I was terrified. Evening, Shinji. Hi. 
Does your father know you're here? No, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not here How for... How old are you? Jen, I need help. I saw her face change. Her eyes locked onto mine and, and something clicked. I don't think I was her first. She ushered me in, scanning the forest behind me, and as she closed the door, I, I saw something um, weird. A fox on the edge of the forest staring right back at her. Once inside, she draped a kimono around her shoulders, then poured a cup of tea. Her living room was halfway there to becoming an antique shop. Her walls collected ancient scrolls, and her bookshelves could hardly support the weight of her books. Sit down. No, no, I, I, we don't have time for Sit that. Sit down. You don't discuss with that tone. You pull up a chair and you accept the cup of tea, and that's what I did. Talk. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm putting you in danger, but I have nowhere else to go and- Who's chasing you? I don't know my, if my father told anyone. I don't know how many, I, I just ran. Why would they go after you? I turned quiet. I mean, she, she knew already, of course. She had to. People were always whispering about her, talking about her strange books and the claw marks on her body. And nobody ever dared say anything about what we all knew she was. Because if you were sick or cursed, you would go to her. You would never talk about what she did to you, but you'd come back in good health. S still, I, I, I kept quiet. She reached over the table, and I thought she was going to take my hand, but... When I looked up, she had a gun pointed at me. I'm not getting burned at the stake for you. Either you let me help you, or I'll sell you out. Show me. I closed my eyes, and I took a deep breath. That's when the lights in the room began to flicker. Before she could say anything, she saw the glow coming from behind me. My wings extended from my back forged out of light and glowing a faint pink. Featherless, they took root in between my shoulders and sprouted out to the sides like cherry tree branches. They're beautiful. You think? It is unusual for your kind. You know what I am. I've seen it before. Death spirits have many places to be and flying helps out quite a lot. My wings vanished and light returned to the kitchen. Do you have a bag? No, I, I, I wasn't really planning ahead. She smiled at me, and, and there was something about that smile that was so unsettling. I mean, it was, it was too wide and too um, hungry. It was the smile of a beast. Jean, what, what are you? You don't need to know. Let me get a pen, and there's an emergency backpack under the couch. Go grab it. Do you know where Toshima is? The island? Yes. Fly there, find the brothel, and ask for Kasumi. Give her the note and ask her to connect you with the path. She'll ask you for something in return. You have to refuse. This isn't how the path works. We help each other. No questions asked. It's uh, a code? Yes. If you think you're being trailed, tell her you've seen a white fox on the way there. Got it? Kasumi, seven years. Refuse whatever she asks. White fox is something is wrong. Great. Now go. Just... Just like that. You want to wait for the pitchforks? My dad has a shotgun, but uh, I, I see what you mean. She didn't find that funny. 
handed me the note and uh, and then she opened the door. Her, uh, her client was stood outside. His hand was raised as if he was about to knock. I, I just froze in place. The guy saw me and he just said, uh, Shinji? You hair for your chain. He said, I think I left it on your table. Just a minute. And she left us at the door. Just like that. And I, I mean, I was trying to think of something to say, but... I didn't have to because the guy leaned into me and said, Don't worry. I used to sneak out all the time when I was your age. I won't say a thing. That just kind of went, Ah, yeah. And then he asked me, Hey, have you seen all those foxes on the way here? He, uh, he gestured towards the forest and I saw at least a dozen foxes just waiting, watching us. And that's when Jun came back. And she was not holding his chain. She shot without hesitation, point blank. Behind us, the foxes flinched, but they, they didn't run. And Jun just started yelling at them. You couldn't warn me, you little shits! Meanwhile, I was just staring at the body and thinking to myself, fuck. Jeanne looked at me and she said, He would have told the others. Yeah, yeah, I, I get the decision making, but she didn't let me finish my sentence. She just threw the gun in my hands and said, And if you want to live, don't hesitate. I'll take care of the body. Now go. I didn't ask any more questions. I, I didn't say anything else at all. I took the gun, I deployed my wings, and I got the fuck away from there. I did look back, though, just once. I think she was smiling at me. She glanced down at the foxes as they started sniffing the corpse of the man at her feet. That's why you stay quiet, isn't it? Welcome! Go and get your dinner! Get him out of my sight. And you flew all the way to Toshima. Yeah, it's... Really not that far with wings, uh, an hour or two at best. The streets were asleep on the island, but as I flew above the port and its houses, I, I didn't see the lone figure that patrolled the neighborhood. A giant figure. Military gear, huge rifle. You know the story. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong, Japan doesn't have crusaders. No, uh, officially we don't even have a religious presence in the country. Vemper actually prides himself in saying that there is no witchcraft in Japan. Which, obviously. Yeah, bullshit. But, since 1931, when the old man in the sky started his ascension and wreaked havoc in the US, Vemper made sure nothing of the sort could ever happen in Japan. He created a new department in the military, which became what you call here IWO. Which stands for? Imperial Warding Office. Men and women train to protect the country against divine threats or, you know, containing and suppressing them. Spirit hunters, essentially. And the man I was talking about, the man patrolling the street, again, massive, was one of them. I didn't know. I, I truly didn't know what I was doing. There was no help book, no, no guideline, nothing to tell you how to be a fugitive. I... <laughs> 
didn't know. I just flew straight over the city. I bet he didn't even have to look up to know I was there. Kasumi's brothel was the only building alight in the middle of the night, and it was a, a beacon of red by the sea. I landed in the street uh, nearby and, and walked up to the door. A stocky bouncer guarded the entrance under the light of one of the red lanterns, and uh, I stopped in front of him, not really certain what to say, until he asked me, What do you want? I told him I'm looking for Kasumi. He just stared down at me and, the, and then disappeared inside. A few seconds later, the door opened again, and the guard came back out, followed by this tall woman towering over us. She was wearing this beautiful kimono. It, it, it caught every reflection of the red light, and she smiled when she saw me. She reached for my cheek and, and said, You seem a little too young to know my name. Uh, I just handed her the note. She frowned, started reading, then threw it at the bouncer. Get rid of this, and you come in. I followed her inside. The brothel itself was, um, it was, uh, it was like a labyrinth of, of dark rooms, soft giggles, and, and smoke. It smelled really good in there, uh, like, um, like sandalwood, I think. She walked through a large, uh, a salon where a bunch of workers were waiting for their next clients. I think I stared a little too long because a man smiled back at me. Without breaking her stride, Kasumi took a flip phone from under her kimono and dialed a number. Hi, sweetheart. I think I heard mice in the walls again. I need them gone immediately. She hung up the phone, threw it on the ground, and fucking stepped on it. And then just kept walking. Clean it. Now, Kasumi didn't need to raise her voice. If she gave an order, she knew someone would obey. And in that moment, I felt, I felt so compelled that I immediately reached down and started collecting the broken pieces. Not you. Follow me. And that's when a young woman took the broken pieces out of my hands. I, I think I apologized or something. Kasumi led me to a quiet office and closed the door behind me. Compared to the rest of the building, her chamber was surprisingly unwelcoming. The lights were cold, white, and uh, the chairs were rusty. Her desk, a true antiquity, and not in a good way. Neither of us sat down this time, and I guess, I guess it should have been the first sign. Where'd you come from? Uh, it's a small village. Did and... you fly here? Sorry. We're not doing the old cold bullshit. Did you fly here? Uh. Yeah. Fuck. Outside, we heard a car pull up by the brothel. And then the first gunshot. Hey, we... We don't have to. You can skip that part. No, it's... It's important. People need to know what happens when our kind make mistakes. What? What's going on? She took out her necklace, and I realized her pendant was a key. The city's a minefield. We've been smuggling people out of here for months. June hasn't left the village in years. She has no idea how things evolved on the island. We got the desk moving. Kasumi threw out the carpet from underneath, revealing a trap door on the ground. Get in here. She unlocked it, and I jumped down without using the ladder. 
There's another door underneath. Start running as soon as you're in the tunnels. She tossed me another set of keys. She disappeared and, and then I heard the office door open. You, get everyone inside, now. A few workers started to climb down as I jumped into the tunnel. Above me, I, I heard a man's voice yell for Katsumi and then, and then I heard howl. A noise that a woman in a pretty kimono shouldn't be able to let out. In the tunnels, our group had already started running, but we stopped when we heard the gunshots. And we shared the same terror in our eyes. My wings were the only thing chasing away the darkness, guiding the rest of us, and seconds later, they were shooting at us. Someone yelled at me to hide my wings, and, and I flew away. I flew away as fast as I could. I left them all to die. You did what you had to. Don't say that. I don't resent my father for dragging me away. He knew there was no point in dying with the rest, trying to be a hero. And now look at me. The bane of crusaders. How many people we freed, how many we saved. I've just... I just wish I knew what I knew now. Yeah, I get that. What happened next? I got out. Fell to my knees, ears still ringing. I was broken. Hyperventilating. Tears rolling down my face, but I, I couldn't feel any of it. I couldn't even see the waves crashing down in front of me, or the sand, or the mist, nothing. I barely felt the hand that came shaking my shoulder. Two men, dark clothing, they tried to help me up, dragging me away from the tunnel. They pushed me towards a boat, and as soon as I sat down, they started the engine. The shore started to fade away, but as I looked back, I saw one of the soldiers step out. And you know the scariest part? There was no expression to his face. He was a man doing his job. One of the smugglers suddenly tackled me down to the floor. The giant just started shooting, but thankfully we were already out of range, and after a few seconds, the smugglers seemed to relax. One of them said, it's okay, you are safe now. So I sat back down. I was 19 years old, lost at sea, two broken fingers. <laughs> I asked them where we were going, and the man said Mexico.
That is it for episode two, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Tibet Boyer, Martin Benson, and Sarah Passos for lending me their amazing voices this episode. This is my first time properly editing dialogue, and it made my poor laptop crash four times, so it was a bit of a nightmare, but we still got it done. Knowing that, I think it's safer to switch to bi-weekly schedule, so new episodes will now drop every other Wednesday, and I hope you'll tune in. Bye!